Welcome to the Fun Field Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Mr. Kim McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your Shuli <clears throat> on the Twitter and the IGSCK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You follow my Kim McGee on the Twitter, X or whatever they're called it, and Kim is going to be on the IG. That's a new rapper's name. Twitter X. <laughs> Make sure you download the Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can catch up on the other live shows that we have airing throughout the week. So if you happen to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download the Sports on Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports on Chicago, please follow us on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please find Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms. And while you're at it, please subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And we are on all platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And while you're at it, please give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, that's at War Media, W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite opinions during our two-hour extravaganza, we call it Sports Talk Radio Show, you can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. Lakino will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and don't do something stupid, I've given Lakino full power to give you folks to build and be a beat. <laughs> but before we, get, we begin... We must remind you that you can also catch Sports on Chicago live and in living color available now on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV. If you already have Roku television, just tap on that sports folder and download that Sports on Chicago app. If you don't have a Roku TV, but you have some handheld devices laying around, iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your Chromebook, or your personal PC, just go to the Head over to the Google Play Store, download that Roku TV app, and access Sports Zone Chicago through that avenue. So, no more excuses. Celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports Zone Chicago is now available on Roku TV. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know, we will provide. Yes, we always will as I keep <laughs> here. Sorry, folks. Uh, okay, we got a busy show coming up here on Second City Sports. Um, you know, Victor Paris, who you know, who you guys, every guys watch this, you know, listen to stuff, read his stuff on Fanside. You see him on the Barroom Network. He's going to talk uh, White Sox as they start to, you know, trade some of their guys and also to uh, preview Bears and also the rest of the rest of MLB. Also, we got Old School TV Monday, of course. You know, as usual, Monday, you know. You know, got we're gonna talk more baseball and all that. So lots to do, lots to do. You know, coming up here on Second City Sports, we're gonna talk some football right now as uh, teams around the league start padded padded practices. I should say, of course, the Bears won't start theirs till Wednesday. But you know, some of the various sort of you know news that's been flowing around. I guess the big news is that Dalvin Cook, you know, visited the just facility. He kind of spent the whole weekend there. And although the, the visit went well, no contracts has been made or what have you. So, uh, Sid, where do you think do you think that Dalvin Cook would be a good fit for the Jets? 
Yes, I think so because of what their running back situation is, especially with now second-year running back Brees Hall. Of course, he's still recovering from the torn ACL that he suffered midway through last year. He was having a good year for the Jets. And I think that's one of the reasons why their season took a downturn besides their bad quarterback play, i.e. Zach Wilson. But Brees Hall's injury at Denver last year uh, was the other domino that fell the reason why the Jets uh, did not win a single game after going 7-4 to start the year. So I think that Dalvin Cook will be a, a good signing for the Jets because he brings depth to that to that backfield. He can definitely help out Brees Hall. Brees Hall can take his time some more and get back in recovery from it from that torn ACL. And he's going to give that veteran help to quarterback Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of like that way he won't have to depend on his arm so much you because know, he is you know because we know AA rod's getting up there at age so mm-hmm. definitely having someone a veteran like you know Dalvin cook who's still you know he's only 28 so it's still you know pretty youngish i guess by you know by i guess by nfl standards when it comes to running back and i'm sure that they will love to kind of like you know lighten that you know liven that backfield up because who knows how long it'll, how long it'll take before a hall you know kind of gets back to his normal you know like you know playing mm-hmm. shape so i think having someone there who's already seasoned who can you know, move the chains and all that. I think that could definitely all, oh, but you never have too many running backs, I guess, if that's sort of like a thing now, since under, since your know, running backs have become undervalued, it feels like the last couple of years. But I, I think, you know, having, you know, like I said, a veteran presence there, I think that definitely will help the Jets should he decide to sign there. Yeah, like I said, I think he will help the Jets as well. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers being as old as he is, you cannot have too many weapons. And for any team to succeed offensively, you got to have a great offensive line. You got to have a, a couple of good running backs, especially in today's NFL, even though they're undervalued in terms of contracts. You got to have those to take some time off that clock and chuck up some important yards, especially late in ball games. And of course, you got to have some stub wide receivers who can go up and catch the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely will that definitely will, will help the uh the Jets, especially in that aspect of it. So they will have, you know, different ways, you know, different you know, places to go, who to throw to. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what the Jets decide to do. I mean, you know, should like I said, should Cook decide to, you know, sign the contract, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much money it'll be, how much incentives and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Will he have to hit a certain benchmark to kind of get those extra those extra incentives? So I think that can only help him in in that in that front. Yeah, and like you say, if they can work out the numbers, he'll be a great fit. I know Miami's uh, has been one of the other teams that's been mentioned for Mr. Cook's services. Also, to Buffalo, we'll get to them in a minute. But uh, they could use a, a running back like Delphi Cup because, uh, as I said before, and I'll say it again to Bills head coach uh, Sean McDermott, Josh Josh Allen's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. He's been a veteran now for the last few years. If you are, if you let him outrun your running backs, uh, there's a problem. And that right elbow injury that he suffered last year should not be ignored. Now, hopefully they had, uh, he had an epiphany this offseason. We'll see what happens this year. But I think if the Jets can work out the, the certain terms in terms of the numbers in the contract, Dalvin Cook should be a Jeff for not, by the time we get back on these hours on Friday. I'll be interested to see. We are, we'll see if that if there is going to be an official uh, contract signing. Another running back you know, on, on the flip side, though, that is not very happy as the second seed sports on Sports on Chicago. Lakeem McGee, Sidney Brown with you is a pro, pro bowler Jonathan Taylor from the Colts. If uh, Apparently, I guess he wants to trade. You know, they, All this kind of scuttlebutt came out over the weekend. He wants to trade. You know, Older Jim Irsay says, not a chance. You know, Not now, not December, not ever. 
and now that's becoming a little bit of a scuttlebutt. And now Zach Moss, who's their secondary uh, guy, who's the, one of their young guys, he suffered a broken arm at practice today. So he might mm. miss a, he'll miss about six weeks. So, you know, things are, and then of course, you know, Anthony, rookie, rookie uh, QB Anthony Richardson is going to be sent up for a little bit because he had a nasal procedure uh, over the weekend too. Uh, to I guess a reporter of deviated septum. So he's not going to be practicing for a few weeks. So, a lot of weird things are you know are happening over at Colts camp and not in a good way. So what do you, what do you think of all this? The, all the sort of like the weird and the bad juju as our buddy uh, Twan Staley, who writes the, uh, the Daily News of what the Jets would say. Here's the thing: you don't want to waste any entries on anybody, especially in a situation like the Colts. They're going through a rebuild. They're going through a transition right now. If you but if you're Jonathan Taylor in the back of your mind. Uh, this is the way to up your value, uh, your value with the coach to say, hey, my backup is down. You need me. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens next. But with Mr. Taylor, you know, he's he led the league in rushing last year uh, with the with that whole quarterback carousel with Matt Ryan and some of the other uh, rookies that came in there last year. Uh, his value is very high. But. As we talked about in the last couple of weeks, these owners do not want to pay running backs because they view running backs as with miles on their tires. And just like head coach Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick, as we call him on this show, with the New England Patriots, to a, a smaller extent, not too many people want to bring his name up, but Andy Reid of the Kansas City Chiefs. We all know that in the NFL, especially in certain positions, uh, when you reach the age of 30, that's senior citizen age in the NFL because of all the miles on the, on the tires and you more – prone to risk of injury increases even higher. So well, the running backs are in a tough position right now. Could Jonathan Taylor work for can his can his value be worth more on other on the teams that are better? Of course it can. But right now he's looking at his current situation with the Colts. We're going through the transition. I've been here for a couple years. I see how this league is. I know what the business is like. I want to go somewhere and win now. Yeah, no, and I think the Colts are not there yet. They got a whole new coaching staff. They got a, mm-hmm. know, a whole different, you know, different vibe. You know, of course, they they drafted Anthony Richardson among others. So it, it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be like I'm sure you probably saw it. I'm talking about Taylor saw it as like now, nah, you know, what, get me out of here. Like I want to, you know, I'm getting older now. I mean, I want to, you know, go to a place where my services will be used. And look, I'm sure there are various teams that would love to have have him on there. I mean, on their team, of course, you know, Buffalo. I know uh, Sid hates him when uh, Josh out the last couple of years has been the leading rusher. Uh, for the, the the Bills squad, I know. Uh, I, look, I'm sure the Ravens would love. Would you know? You wouldn't mind having more running backs there. And uh, look, there's going to be a lot of teams, especially contending teams. We'll get to all the rest of the stuff in a little bit. But you know, I think if this, if this sort of like scuttlebug kind of continues, or if if Taylor, God forbid, holds out, that's definitely not going to help. So this could end up being a distraction. So like, he's one of the top. Excuse me, one of the top rushers in the league, and I feel like it's going to be interesting to see if you know how this will shake out and how this will be resolved if it does get resolved within the next few weeks. If you're in the Indianapolis Colts, you hope it gets resolved very soon because, like you mentioned, their backup running back went down with an injury over the weekend. Plus, you're still trying to sign guys in and out to trying to fill the football team. And your preseason opener, just like everyone else, is in a couple of weeks, and you have to go out there to find out to see who's going to fit this roster for the long term. And I'm sure higher ups think that Jonathan Taylor is part of their plans to get this transition going to move it forward. But if Jonathan Taylor continues this holdout, uh, I don't think it's going to serve well for him down the line. It looks good right now, but I don't know if it's going to serve him 
as far as the long run is concerned for the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, you want it to end because you want to use Jonathan Taylor's value for all it's worth because of the injuries that you have. And plus, outside of a couple stuff players on defense, you're not very good right now from, from a 53-man roster standpoint. So right. if you're the Colts, obviously you want this to end quickly. If you're Jonathan Taylor, you're trying to uh, get your best value possible elsewhere or forcing yourself out of there via trade. Yeah, that's going to be – that's something that I'm sure Ursa does not want to do that, but he may not have a choice, especially if Taylor does hold out. That's This is going to lead into something – you know, it's going to get a little bit uh, dicey, so we'll see what happens with that. And uh, one little uh, sort of tip that seems to be resolved is uh, the Vikings and another Pro Bowl and pass rusher, Daniel Hunter. I know some Bears fans are wanting him, you know, to perhaps maybe, you know, be a trade. But then it comes out um, yesterday that they have agreed to a one-year $20 million extension. It's he's going to get 17 million guaranteed, and he's also going to get three million sack incentives. I guess the number of sacks he gets, you know, the more sacks he gets, you know, that that number goes up to the three million in the incentives. So they'll they're able to work things out. And I think if you're the Vikings, you want to kind of, you know, you've, you've got rid of some of your other top guys, you know, you know, your release cook, you know, you didn't resign Adam Thielen, among others. So, you know, having one of the guy that is familiar to Vikings fans, I think that can only help. Them and he has a lot, and look, Hunter has a lot of incentives to play too. So this actually kind of worked out a little bit in both their favors. Yeah, and as we said last year, and we'll say it again this year, the Minnesota Vikings are in transition defensively because you saw what they did last year. Uh, they weren't very good. I'm talking about in terms of their defense. They were saved by their offense, as we told you guys last year. That's that was what's going to happen. That's what ended up happening. As the Vikings won 14 out of 17 games before bowing down the wild card round against the Giants at home. But that defense still has a lot of work to do, and they need to get uh, younger players in there, especially with the salary cap era that we're in right now, which is not going anywhere. You need to get younger. You need to get more athletic, especially at the defensive ends for the um, for the Minnesota Vikings. So, I like you said, you, they got you know, that that move does help, but they still have more work to do, and that secondary is not very good either. So, I know they still has Harrison Smith there, but. Yeah, they still have work to do, and, and it's just all about it's all about for them just getting the best people there. It's, it's patchwork at this point, but as far as getting them to where they really wanted to be like they were about three or four years ago, they still have a lot of work to do. It's just all about patchwork for them at this point. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll we'll see once we do. We'll talk more about the Vikings and you know their how their future is. You know, when we go through our digital previews in a few weeks. So, any other uh, NFL news before we uh, go to break and we're up against it? How long do you think it takes before the Bears sign a veteran pass rusher between now and the start of the preseason in a couple of weeks? Do you think it's going to, in your view, do you think that's going to happen or do you think we'll have to wait longer into the middle of the preseason for them to sign a veteran pass rusher? Because there's a few that are out there. There are more than a few, and I think you know, they may want to wait and see how this new like young core back in the front seven, how they play. And I think that's going to really going to be sort of like the thing where that they will have to wait. I know polls, Ryan polls has been kind of keeping his ears and eyes, you know, to the ground. So I'm wondering that he may have a couple of guys in mind. I think he just wants to wait and see how they do in their first preseason game. So like you said, well, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I think they will. I think it'll be sooner rather than later. They do sign a, a veteran pass rusher. I kind of with you on that. Selfishly, I want them to do it now, but like you said, that, They'll probably have to wait till after the first preseason game, which is in a couple of weeks, and we'll, and we'll see what happens. I know people want uh, things to happen right away, but uh, it doesn't work that way, especially the way that Ryan Paulus is trying to build this thing for the Chicago Bears for the long, long term. 
in in this era of the NFL, things can happen within a couple of years. You may have instant success, but as far as long term, you have to be careful. And if you're not careful, uh, you'll disappear. You just look at the last machine we had in Chicago. Yes, Matt Nagy went to the playoffs twice in his four years, but the way that team was built and all the injuries and all the other stuff, uh, it just came crashing down in a halt following 2018. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see. This is to we continue with that. Also, too, want to mm-hmm. give a quick shout, shout out to uh, Bill Sadie Demar Hamlow, of course. In the you know, last, you know, January early this year, he went into cardiac arrest after uh, during their Monday night game, like Bill's Monday night game against Cincinnati. He completed his full uh pa- full padded first full padded practice since that. So uh want to give that uh you know great you know we we talked about you know some of the the great job that the you know the bills training staff did you know, you saw them at the sps and you know still a lot of emotion there and i and i think look he was actually still he's just a pretty solid state i think people don't realize that he has a you know he's a you know he also returns plus two so he's definitely a, a dual purpose guy and mm-hmm. i think you know, it was great to see he looked great you know going out there and i know there was a lot of cheers at that facility so uh just want to give a quick shout out to him and to the Bills, and you know, hopefully, you know, this will be a start, maybe a great comeback for him. Yeah, we're we're all rooting for the great young man to continue his uh, uh, football career. It was a tragedy what happened to him, like we mentioned uh, last season. But hopefully, this is the start of a long, a great end to a great story in his uh, journey back to playing full time in the NFL. All right, so uh, we'll we'll yeah, you know, hopefully we'll 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 keep you know, as his comeback you know starts right now as we speak so uh we'll mm-hmm. keep you guys updated on that so really quick break we're gonna take a break we're gonna over we're past the break so we're gonna go ahead and take it right now we're gonna switch gears here talk a little bit of a uh, diamond talks and baseball as the cubs take three out of four including a cast that probably saved what they were gonna they probably answered what they were gonna do as far as the socks i mean they're you know there might be some guys, more guys are going to be traded. So we'll talk more about that. And also two other baseball stuff coming up next. Like Keenan McGee, Cindy Brown, second season sports on Sports Social Chicago. Diamond Talk coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. (laughs) Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, 
Your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome back to Second City Sports. This is Monday edition, the last one for the month of July. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. That's Lakina. I'm Sid. You can follow your Shirley on the Twitter, X, and the IG at SidK80. Once again, it's SidK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. And you follow my Kina McGee on the Twitter, uh, X, <laughs> Kina's coming on <laughs> the IG. And we have less than uh, less than uh, 90 minutes left of this. I start against we call it Sports Talk Radio Show. You have any questions or comments for us, you can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. All right, Sid, let's talk some diamond. Let's talk some baseball as we'll start with the good. The Cubs, you know, win three out of four against the Cardinals, including one game on Friday that uh, I have to say, I think that I think that catch by Mike Tomlin. Remember, this is not the first time he's done this. You know, he robbed Alec Burleson. You know, of course, you know, if he had not, I wish we had had that 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 on our queue because, you know, just the, between his catch and the call by Bukshiami and, uh, Jim DeSage, mm-hmm. JD, I think was just, you know, just masterful. It was just, I, I saw like about like a dozen times over the uh, over the weekend. It was just amazing. But remember, he's it's not the first time Tom has done this. Remember, a couple of years back when he was with the Giants, he robbed uh, Albert Pools, which w- w- would have been a walk-off home run. So, and I, but a different situation. But in that, in this case here, that definitely say, had that gone out, that would, it was with the series with the Cardinals. And also too, that probably would have been, you know, they probably would have been buyers. Now they're going to be sellers. So as of recorded, they're now four back of Cincy. They play Cincy starting tomorrow. And I, I think, you know, like we've been saying, the NL Central's – well, tonight I should say, they actually start, the, let's start their series tonight uh, over at Wrigley. This is definitely – like, that definitely changed sort of the scope of what, you know, Jed Hoyer and Connor Hawks were going to do. So, 23 out of four. I mean, I know they, had a, you know, they lost a tough one yesterday. They couldn't get their offense going. You know, look, they had one seven in a row, whatever. You know, look, they did what they're supposed to do in that little soft part of schedule. Now we're going to see 
if you know the this team could win the central because I think no one's pulling away from that division. They're only four games back. They play Sissy started tonight at Wrigley. I think this is just just this will be the this will be this will answer our questions whether or not they could be really true contenders and that's in that division. We talk about the superstars on this team, the big names that are expected to step up with Dansby Swanson, Ian Hab, Nico Horner, and, and some of the other veterans like Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. But <clears throat> we don't talk about enough about the supporting guys like Trey Manzini, Trey Mancini with his bat. Don't, never, don't put him in the in the field ever again. And also, mm-hmm. you talk about Patrick Wisdom, same thing. Put his bat in the lineup, and but not on the field. And Christopher Morrell, who's their utility guy, as a manager, David Ross trying to find a position for him. But Mike Tomlin, we talked about him early in the season, Lakina, when Cody Belger was out with the injury for almost a whole month and back in early May, and he filled in and did very well, more with his glove than with his bat. But he was one of those guys, guys that kind of held it together when the Cubs were going through their struggles late May to early June offensively his defense especially he came up with a few hits but he's the defense what kept him on the roster and now you're looking at this whole spectrum as you mentioned Lakina they had a great last two weeks actually a great start to the second half of the season following the all-star break as I said two weeks ago uh exactly two weeks ago on this show they need to go on go on a great street they did that with their with starting with their home schedule winning five out of seven last week they took two from the White Sox and they usually mention take they take three out of four in St. Louis and finished the year eight and five against those ugly Cardinals. So they did what they have to do. They have no choice but to be buyers now. I know the reports came out yesterday before the game. Uh, it was saying that Cody Bellinger is off the market now that the Cubs won't trade him. Hopefully that is true. I don't know what's going on with Marcus Stroman or are they still dangling him out there? But we'll see what happens between them now and tomorrow. Nice deadline at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So it looks like the Cubs are starting to move in the direction of being buyers. Will they get what they want? I don't know. But they still need another bat uh, perfectly who, who who can play third base full time. And you definitely need another bullpen arm. I know Albert Azalai has done a great job closing games from uh, these last few weeks. But you still need another bullpen arm to help him out. At least in the middle of Reef guy too. Yes. So yeah, then we'll see if they can, you know, there there are guys out there on the market. Well, we'll talk about that with our buddy uh, Vince in a second, but after the break. But yeah, I think he definitely look, there's definitely a lot of guys out there that can kind of fill that void, you know, make a little, little minor moves here and there. They won't have to give up a lot of their top guys that they do, you know, in their farm system right now. So if you're the Cubs, I mean you're kind of like, okay, let's see if we can kind of like make a little a few minor moves to kind of like get them into that, you know, spectrum of okay, let, let let's you know pull a little, you know, put somebody in the middle relief and see if they can, you know, get some, you know, with that division. Cause like I said, that, that division is very doable. So I know some people mm-hmm. are that, that, that freaks people out. Some Cubs fans out. I know some folks were like, I, I don't know if they want that, but look, you're like, they can't help it. The division is not very good. So, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, well, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. I, I don't know if I brought this question up to you, Lakina last week, if I did, I forgot, but I'll bring it up now. If you're a Cubs fan, between now and tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow or evening, I should, early evening, I should say, when the trade deadline ends, let's just say they did. Now, if they did sell off Cody Bellinger and Marcus Storm, it looks like it's not going to happen now. I think it is pretty much safe to say. But if they would have sold those uh, guys off and you did what you just did for the last two weeks, if you were a Cubs fan, would you take that personally as a middle finger 
from the front office to you as a fan? Because I, I forgot who, who we had on the last couple of weeks. I think it was James Navol. I'm not sure. I think it was James Navol last Friday. He said that been close to $300 million in, in, in free agency money, and the Cubs manager still wants to sell at the trade deadline. You're doing what you just did for the last two weeks. If you're a Cubs fan, you would take that personally as a personal middle finger from the front office to you, and paying all that money that you pay for those tickets, uh, you would be up pretty much a Yeah, you probably yeah you probably would be feeling a little bit upset. You know, I think you probably would take that personally if you're a Cubs fan. Uh, wait. Apologies for the ten- technical difficulties. Hobie Lakina McGee will rejoin us here in a second. As you're listening to Second City Sports right here in Sports Hill, Chicago, Sid the Kid here uh, writing solo with you as we continue to talk baseball. Uh, just finishing up on my thoughts on the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs did what they had to do the last two weeks and beating St. Louis twice in a series of even the White Sox in a two-game series. They did what they had to do, forcing management's hand to make a move at the trade deadline between now uh, and tomorrow night. And they put themselves in a perfect position as they have a tough four-game series against the Cincinnati Reds starting tonight. And just a couple of numbers to pass along to you guys as Lakina rejoins us. The Cubs finished the year against St. Louis with an 8-5 record and with a plus-20 run differential, 68-48. to uh, The Cubs batted 275 against uh, the Redbirds. And Ian Happ and Dancy Swanson combined for four for, – sorry, for five home runs against – the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, they're two big boppers. They had zero, count them, zero home runs against the Cubs this season. Yeah, and that, you know, I think that's, that's what you want to do, especially with your rivals. So, you know, you don't have to worry about having to play them anymore. So, you know, that, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're a coach, man. You win, you know, the series there. So that's going to be, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Now, you do have to worry about since you got some more games against Sissy and Milwaukee in these, you know, next few weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the dog days here. So, it's gonna be very interesting to see what this team does, but yeah, look, they've got a look, they got a tough one tonight. Look, we're gonna we're gonna find out if the Cubs are for real, and that that can definitely be a contender. Look, we we'll talk about what they did in a second. We'll talk about Cincinnati, but I, mm-hmm. I feel like they're look. I think they're right there in that division. I think look, they're four back. It's still very doable. It, they would look pretty bad if they had. I'm talking about the Cubs had they had sold. Yeah, could have been. Yes, yes, could it be because they had the. The, you know, the quote-unquote soft part of their schedule. Look, you, know, you can't help but who they but who you play. You gotta play. You only got to play who, they, who you play in their schedule. So, but they did what they're supposed to do. You know, they swept the two mini, mini to give her at G-rate against the Sox. They won three out of four at St. Louis against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Look, you did what you're supposed to do. So, look, you know, look, you're in it. So, you know, let, let's try to win this division and see where it goes from here. Look, once you're in, you know, anything can happen. Look, we saw what happened with the Phillies last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they the last thing to get in, they end up going all the way to the World Series. So, you know, look, we're we've seen where things happen. So, you know, let, 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 let's give them a little bit of a break. But uh, let's go to the flip side here. Here, let's just like see sports on Sports of Chicago, like Keenan McGee, Cindy Brown with you. And uh, well, we'll talk more about the moves and stuff you know, with Vince uh, coming up at the top. But the fact that you know they they split their series against the, the Guardians, mm-hmm. uh, yay. 
And then, you know, we were hearing rumors that maybe Dillis Cease might be on the move. You know, I know there was some various, I know the Dodgers might be interested in him and they did raise, as I saw as well, with uh, Mr. Cease also too. I guess Eloy's name has been flown around as well. Leaving the off the field stuff aside, because there's really not much to talk about there. But you know, what do you think about the Sox and then uh, all the stuff that all the other, the more, more trailers are coming out? First of all, I'll focus it on the field. Congratulations to Mike Clevenger. Yay! I was, I was there on Saturday. He actually pitched well. And he actually, uh, and the White Sox actually scored some runs uh, for once instead of the, trying to come back to win a game. And congratulations to Tim Anderson for hitting his first home run of the year. He damn near cried and had a celebration of Doug Gal. If you haven't hit a home run for a whole calendar year, I would celebrate too. But there are some good signs. Uh, that the White Sox uh, could be a, a good team going forward. Absolutely not for this year, but uh, Jake Berger, as bad as been on fire as well, he, uh, he had a deciding home run on Friday night's game against the Guardians, which helped the Sox win that one to break that uh, losing streak from Friday. But yesterday, Michael Kopech, uh, he was very inconsistent once again, leaving some uh, leaves some uh, gophers right in the middle of the play. Jose Ramirez took him deep. A couple of other guys took him deep as well. But the question for for the White Sox going forward, would you move Michael Kopech to the bullpen? I heard some people say uh, move him as a closer. No, I, I'm, I'm against that. But the, the main thing about Michael Kopech is consistency. You thought that he turned it around in early May, in the early part of May. and But since the middle part of June, he's uh, gone back to being – the, the bad Michael Kopech, uh, taking his mental mental um, problems out of it. Yeah, I think part of it is that, but I think mostly it's mechanics as well. As well, uh, He was trusting his stuff early on in the season, but lately he hasn't trusted his stuff. And it seems like that every little thing that happens to him, we saw this part of it last year as well as he well, he, as he became a starter, every little thing that, ha- that happens to him that doesn't go his way, he lets it get, uh, get to him and it ruins his whole start. And that's not good if, you, uh, if, if you're trying to be an established major league pitcher. And I think that's what, look, that's what you want to do, I guess, in that sense. But, you know, look, I think Kopech you know, is, is one of those you know, guys that you thought that maybe he was starting to turn around, but, you know, that ended up not being the case. So, you know, you saw what happened yesterday. And, look, I think for me – I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the bullpen might be best form. We'll have to wait and see. But this whole thing with 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 the you know with what happened yesterday, you saw you know those you know those hits you know that the Guardians gave up. Jose Ramirez you know took him deep. It, I mean, I'm kind of I don't want to say that you know that he's been a a, a bust and talk about Kopech, but you wonder like maybe he might you know for his own. I guess for his own like saying, I guess to you know, to kind of save his grip, maybe going to the bullpen might be the way to go, but. I don't know, but look, I mean, yeah, the Sox, you know, they show a little bit of a fight, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think for me, like, I'm, like, I'm just counting the days to the end of the season. They play Texas to, you know, starting tomorrow in Arlington, so I, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, who else is going to get moved? I mean, that, that for me, I think that's what that's what I'm focusing on right now, and I know that they still, some, you know, among the, the organization feel that maybe they may still have a shot to compete next year for what, third place in the division, because I think, look, you know, yeah, they've got some, you know, nice, you know, nice, you know, pickups and, you know, nice prospects. But I'm at that point where I'm kind of like, I'm in sort of like, you know, this year is a bust. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Let's just get the rest of the season over with. And let's just, you know, kind of still got about 55 games left. But we'll just count the dates till the end of the season because I, w- I want to talk about the rest of uh, yeah. what's happening in baseball. And I, I think for, for me, I, I think, look, this 
like pretty much like kind of like really like the main thing here for for me this weekend was the Blue Jays. The, you know, the Blue Jays they took two out of three from um, the Angels, and you know they lost a tough one. Uh, they lost a tough one, I should say, uh, three to two. But you know they kind of sort of showed you that they, they 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 won two out of three. They you know they got to Lucas Giolito at his first start with the Angels. They did acquire Hicks from the Cardinals. Well, a guy that Jordan Hicks, I should say, and a guy we've talked about, a, a veteran. Um, well, not, he's not a veteran; he's like 27, but he's you know a young uh, middle reliever. That's who they need, and they need more pitching. So they're only five and a half back in the AL East. So I think for me, I think the Blue Jays. I'm sure they're going to make some more moves, you know, in the next you know day or two. So I think this is what I'm focusing on too, among like the other things that are happening before the trade deadline. Yeah, as you mentioned, the the Angels uh, stopped the potential sweep of the Blue Jays yesterday, uh, winning three to two in ten innings. I did watch that first uh, game on Friday, Lakina. As you mentioned, it was Lucas Giolito's debut in the Angels uniform. He only pitched seventy three uh, uh, pitches. They had him on the uh, the Angels had him on the pitch count. Uh, he actually matched Kevin Gossman, who had nine strikeouts through five innings in that game on Friday. Giolito didn't do too bad, but he left a couple of mistakes at the plate, and Toronto was able to take advantage of it, including uh, Danny Jansen's two-run homer, which kind of busted it wide open for the James as that Jays as they won their opener last Friday, four to one. I think Lucas Giolito will help well help the Angels. As, as we all know that he could eat up innings. I think. Renato Lopez can help the Angels as well come as a setup man on the middle relief and more so a middle relief coming out of their bullpen. Uh, the Angels management is telling Otani that they're going for it because remember they picked up CJ Chrome yesterday uh, mm-hmm. at, uh, coming off that bench. I know they're trying to get some guys back off the injury list, including Mike Trout. So the Angels look good on paper, but can they uh, get it together enough? Uh, to uh, make it a playoff push? It's going to be very tough, especially in the AL West division, which they're in right now. That's going to be a tough one too, especially the well, the AL wild card is probably going to be what they're, but they're still right there, I guess, mm-hmm. in the West. But they always, they're going to, have to jump over both the Astros and the Rangers, so we'll we'll see what happens. They all play, they actually all do play each other for like the next like six weeks, so mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see. You know, going to be a little bit of a slugfest in that division, so we'll see what happens there. Now the Dodgers lose two out of three to the Reds. Um, an interesting game on Saturday. Uh, Max Muncie, you know, we talked about uh, Bellinger, but you know, Muncie had two home runs in that uh, that Saturday game, and that's you know that was actually his only that was one of the only only hits in that three to two win on Saturday, and he actually became the first uh, Dodgers player since the R- this RBI actually became a sad night all the way back in 1920 to record all the teams hits and driving all the teams runs. Um, we only had two hits and they ended up winning that game. So, but unfortunately they were shut out last night. And, uh, of course, Eli De La Cruz, you know, struck again, um, four, four hits, um, on Sunday. And he's a third Reds player since 1900 to record that with three, you know, three games with four hits you know, at 20 years old, you know, 21 or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think for me, like, I think, you know, the, the Reds, you know, you, you win two out of three against the Dodgers. I mean, that that's, that's huge, but, I think this is sort of one of those days where you're they're acclimating more, you know, guys. They actually they've been very busy before the trade. I'm sure they're going to have more trades coming up as well. Talk about the Dodgers and the Reds were able to kind of take advantage of that. So, but but for me, I think look, I'm like I said, I'm not sold on the Reds just yet. Hey, you look, you're going to be playing the Cubs, so prove me wrong. But 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here, and that's NL Central. Yeah, the Reds uh, finally decided to wake up in terms of that bats. We'll see what they do between now and tomorrow night at 5 o'clock as far as getting a veteran starting pitcher there. Like you mentioned for the Dodgers, Joe Kelly made his debut on Saturday. Actually looked pretty good. We'll see when Lance Lane will make his first start as a new member of the Los Angeles Dodgers have to be inquired by the White Sox. But as you mentioned, Lakina, Cincinnati needed to be uh, needed to get back on track. It's a huge series win on the road over the weekend. As you mentioned, they took advantage of the new Dodgers players that was coming in and out of the lineup. Uh, they'll need to uh, heat up those bats again as they'll take on the Cubs on the road starting tonight. That'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Now, Baltimore, Baltimore, you know, they take uh, two out of three from the Yankees, including uh, a, a great uh, pitcher's duel on Friday. Anthony Santander got his first uh Walk off, so that was a pretty cool moment there back in downtown mm-hmm. Baltimore. They dominated uh, the Yankees in the rubber match uh, yesterday, nine to three, beating them. And, and look, you know, including Adam Frazier's three-run home run that you know, kind of helped got help help get things rolling for the Orioles. And look, it'll be I'll, I'll be to see if they start getting a little bit busy. I mean, they need you know they, they can all use a middle reliever. They can always use another bat. So we'll see what the Orioles do at the trade deadline. And you know, between these next twenty-four hours. I know we went up against it here. Uh, real quick, I was watching MLB Central this morning on MLB Network. Mark DeRosa said this about three weeks ago, and he said it again on the show today. Don't be surprised if the Baltimore Orioles trying to get Justin Verlander from the New York Mets. You know, the Mets traded Max Scherzer to yep. the Texas Rangers. We'll get more into it with our guests coming up in the next hour. But, mm-hmm. it, but if you're Baltimore, is it worth the mortgaging part of your future to get Verlander? especially mm-hmm. with the salary that he makes. If it, you think it's worth it, go get him because he'll definitely help that young Baltimore pitching rotation, uh, Lakina. Yep. He'll yep. definitely help them because they already, they already have a dominant lineup. But if you get mm-hmm. a veteran like Verlander in, the, uh, in there, uh, they'll take you a long way. You saw what they did with the Astros uh, when they won the World Series back in 2017. We'll be interested to see what he does with that because I, I feel like again, you know, well, we'll talk about the Scherzer great Scherzer trade, you know, Scherzer trade for me to say coming up uh, with mm-hmm. a, events in a little in a, in a couple minutes. But yeah, I kind of feel like I think the Mets are going to be sellers, and look, it'll be interesting to see if Verlander does end up going to Baltimore. I think that would be a good spot for me. He helped that that mm-hmm. veteran, uh, well, be a veteran to that uh, young pitching staff over there in Baltimore. So should definitely be interesting to see what happens with that. Now, real quick with the scheduling and stuff, I know we're up against it because we want to get our buddy Vince on. Um, Philadelphia, Miami, leaders, you know, a series that starts tonight. Milwaukee and Washington. Tampa Bay and Yank- and the Yankees, of course, you're Aaron Judge. You got things going to take him a few games to kind of get back. He, hadn't, he has a rugby program, so he hasn't played in two months, so we'll just see how that's going to shake out. Looking forward to this series in the AL East. You got the you got the Orioles and the Blue Jays. That should be a fun mm-hmm. series. It's been always fun when those two teams play each other. Um, the Angels and in Atlanta. That should be an interesting series as they start that. And of course, a big one here for the uh, for the Cubs as they face the Reds at Wrigley starting tonight. Yeah, and finish out the rest of the schedule for tonight and tomorrow. We have Cleveland at Houston, San Diego at Colorado. Boston at Lakina Seattle Mariners and the Diamondbacks and uh, and the Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the San Francisco Giants there. And the rest of the series that starts tomorrow, Tuesday, we will have Detroit at Pittsburgh and we'll have Minnesota at St. Louis and the New York Mets at Kansas City to take on the Royals. And of course, Oakland and Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers. That also this uh well, weeks the other series there are start tomorrow. So that's your MLB schedule for the for the start of this week. 
of course, you know, the, the game two that Rays Yankee series will be part of a Tuesday game of the week on TBS at 6.05 tomorrow. All right. Stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports continues with our new guest, Mr. Vinny Parise from Fansighted and the Barroom Network. You're listening to Sports Zone Chicago. my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DoDEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports of the Monday Monday edition right here on Sports Old Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, it's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina's again on IG. 
We have less than an hour left for this extravaganza we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments, especially for our next guest, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. All right, Lakina, let's not waste any time. You heard this young man on the Sports on Chicago network before via uh, Sean and Maya in the morning. We welcome him as a first-time guest on this show, Second City Sports. You can read his work on fansided.com. You can hear his podcast with our good buddy Joe Mandel on the Barroom Network. You can follow him on the Twitter X at Vinny Parise. Once again, at Vinny Parise. Let's welcome him into Second City Sports, Mr. Vinny Parise. Vinny, welcome to our show. How are you, my man? Vinny and Lakina, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be on the show today. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing great. How about yourself? Doing very good, very good. Happy to be here. Yeah, we'll get into the uh, a little bit of the football. I know you talk about that as well with the Chicago Bears. We'll get into that later on in this interview. But well, let's start out with the White Sox. I was there yesterday and Saturday. Of course, that team looks very different. Of course, the trades uh, came through and heavy. They may or may not be done yet. We still have time between now and tomorrow night at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time as the trade deadline will come to the close then. But what did you think think about the moves uh, so far with Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and, and Kendall Graham and Joe Kelly all being gone? Well, of course, the moves make me really sad, right? You know, when this whole thing started back in 2016, when they traded Chris Sale to the Red Sox and they started the rebuild, right? They got Moncada mm-hmm. and Kopech plus a couple other prospects in return. I was like, all right, the White Sox haven't done this in a long time. You know, they've been bad for a long time, but they haven't really tore it mm-hmm. completely down. You know, we're right. always looking at third, fourth place. The White Sox very rarely ever come in dead last, right? Well, they were preparing for dead last for a couple years and they were and then all of a sudden it starts to build up and it looks like the rebuilds come in according to plan and then they really don't do what they need to do to you know take advantage of the core that they built the young core and now here we are all these years later it is a failure and so when I think about it from that point of view, the trades make me sad. Giolito's gone. He was supposed to be the ace of a staff that made multiple deep playoff runs. You hope at least gets to the World Series one time. They don't even win a playoff round a single time. And I loved Lance Lynn. I thought he was oh, he was the definition of a Chicago White Sox player. And, you know, all the other pitching that surrounded them that went in those trades, sad to see him go, but... If you have to look on the bright side, there are a couple nice prospects that came back in return. So, you know, they got the Angels number two and three prospects. You know, half of their top ten in terms of their minor league prospect pool has been upgraded in the last, I don't know how many days it's been now since the Giolito trade, six days or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a positive from that point of view, but now we have to think, like, can the White Sox develop these guys and take advantage mm-hmm. of the talent that they have? They haven't been able to do that in the last five or six years outside of a handful of players. So it makes me sad. I like the return a little bit if they have to make these trades, but um, it's all bittersweet to me. Now, what about the uh, some of the various rumors that we've heard? We've heard within like the last, I guess, what twenty four hours that guys like Dylan C. So the Luis Robert Jr. are also well, the Sox are actually listening to those you know trade offers between those two players do you think one or both of them be, you know you know become a trade before tomorrow um before i went to sleep last night i would have said i would be shocked if they traded 
Luis Robert Jr. or Dylan Cease because I do believe although they are kind of in the middle of a rebuild, they traded all these pitchers for prospects. That's the definition of starting a rebuild. Um, Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr. aren't old players. You can rebuild around them. You know, they're as good as adding to extremely good prospects. So the thing with Cease is he only, he's got a couple years left of control. White Sox fans like to bring up the fact that he's a Scott Boris client and he's an agent that hasn't worked very well with the White Sox in the last 10 years or so. But there have been Scott Boris clients to sign with the White Sox. People remember Dallas Keuchel. He was one of the big free agents a couple years ago. It worked out for one year. It's not Scott Boris's fault that Keuchel started to, you know, be a bad pitcher from that point on, but you know, it's one of those things like you can get Dylan Cease extended. You can have Louise Robert jr. And for the long haul, if somebody offers them two top 100 prospects and those two top 100 prospects both happen to be in the top 20, then yeah, I would consider it, but it would have to be a hefty return for me personally to want to see Cease or Robert go. I want to ask you Vinny, about uh, the, uh, realistically the trade value of these three guys, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, and I said his this guy's name on our show on Friday, uh, Yasmani Grandal. I think you get a lower level prospect for him. He could, he could be an extra bet for, for a, a playoff, a contending playoff team. But what's the, the truth value of those three players that I just mentioned, assuming they get moved tomorrow, if they get moved? Uh, for me, Grandal could get DFA'd if he's not traded by the trade deadline. I mean, that's just kind of the way the White Sox could handle it. Kind of like how Elvis Andrews was handled last year by the A's, right? They tried to get something for him, you know, do by right by him by sending him to a team that would want him and contend with him. And then it ended up not happening. So they DFA'd him so he could sign with a new team. It wouldn't shock me if it were Grandal's the case for Grandal at the end of the season. So if they were to trade him, I can't imagine them getting anything more than like a late teens, early twenties, type of prospect for a team like by that I mean like a team's number 19 prospect or number 23 prospect mm-hmm. something like that that could or could not end up being a difference maker for the White Sox the big key would be that contract being off the books for the rest of the season um, not that it really matters because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year anyway but as far as Eloy I I still believe that Eloy Jimenez can be a game-changing bat and his injuries and lackluster defense have kind of lowered his value a little bit. So unless a team offers you something that is really crazy, I I would keep Eloy kind of a tick below Robert Jr. and Cease. Like, he's certainly not untouchable. Nobody should be untouchable. But (laughs) I'd be very hesitant to trade a bat like that at the start of this, you know, little retool because he's young, he can hit big, and, you know – all that sort of stuff. And then who was the third player you asked? It was Eloy. Tim Anderson. Anderson. Tim Anderson. T.A. Yep. T.A. is a guy I root for so hard. I was so happy to see him hit his first home run of the season a couple nights ago. There was just some pure emotion there, some issues off the field that he's been dealing with, and it's been a tough year for him. Um, A change of scenery would be good for Tim Anderson. I don't want to see him go. I would love for the White Sox to say, you know what? We are going to try and be a competitive team in 2024. We're going to keep our guy. He's going to be healthy coming into next season. He's going to have a fresh mindset. It would have to be a a similar return for Eloy for me to move Tim Anderson. They can't just trade him just to trade him. These are guys who have been the faces of the franchise for the last half decade. You don't just move them for these, you know, middle of the pack 
um, prospects because those guys aren't necessarily guaranteed to come up. Even the high top flight prospects aren't a guarantee to come up and make an impact at the major league level. So I'd be very careful about trading Anderson and um, Eloy Jimenez. But as far as Grandal, trade him for whatever you can get. Let's talk about the rest of the scope of MLB, Vinny. And, you know, we talked about it right before you came on. He might have been listening to us when we were talking about Justin Verlander. He's a new, kind of new big name that might be moving around. You talk, we, you know, we talk about maybe the Orioles, maybe the Rays, you know, some other teams that are kind of been floating around us perhaps. You know, he said that after his start yesterday that he is open to being traded. Of course, you know, his buddy Scherzer got um, traded to the Rangers. So what, what do you think uh, Verlander is going to go does, if he does get moved? Um, there are probably six or seven teams that I could legitimately see buying starting pitching before the trade deadline tomorrow at five o'clock. And obviously the ones you named, like the Rays and the Orioles, I would love to see a small market team like that come up and be like, hey, we're getting Justin Verlander. Could I see a, a Cubs or a Houston Astros or a Los Angeles Dodgers go for a guy like that? The Atlanta Braves make a ton of sense for Verlander. I think they're the best team mm -hmm. in baseball right now. Um, they're the only true team in the National League where you're like, that's an elite team. And then if they somehow get bounced in the first round, any other National League team could legitimately go to the World Series if they make it to the dance. And that's why I, you know, teams like the Cubs and the Marlins are probably going to end up buying because they, they could see that. If the Braves get bounced, it's anybody's game if you make the playoffs. And... You know, so yes, I see Verlander going to a team like that. I would be stunned to see the Mets keep him because although Uncle Steve Cohen loves to spend lots of money and be over the luxury tax and buy mm -hmm. free agents, you'd think mm -hmm. shedding some money so they can try to maybe go for somebody something else this upcoming offseason so they can try and right the wrong of this season, talking about the Mets, they might move Verlander. And we've seen him move before and make immediate impacts with a new team. He won two World Series titles with the Houston Astros. Um, a, little, a little surprising that the Mets are where they are at this point, trading Scherzer, trading Verlander. But um, I would like to see personally Verlander end up with a team like the Orioles or the Rays, a team who's never, you know, if they trade for like a super duper star like that, who cares that it's in, he's in his late thirties. Like you are a legitimate world series contender, Rays and Orioles. If that were the ALCS, I wouldn't be shocked at all. And I'd love to see a Verlander matchup involved in one of those games. Vinny Parise from Fansite and the Barroom Network is hanging out with us here on the Monday edition of Sega City Sports. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina hanging out here with us as we talk baseball. Vinny, let's go to the dreaded north side of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they, have, they, have, they have had a great run uh, since the All-Star break. They take three or four from St. Louis, including that great catch by Mike Tomlin on Friday night. And now they're in a position where they can um, legitimately uh, make a move uh, to take over the NL Central. They still got to hop over two teams, sometimes about Cincinnati and Milwaukee. But realistically, what do you think the Cubs, i.e. Jay Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, what do you think they're, they, what do you think they will do between now and tomorrow night's uh, trade deadline? So I think tonight's game between the Cubs and the Reds is perhaps the most important game of the entire season. If they win that game, they're two games or three games out of first place in the NL Central Division. That is very, very attainable, especially with tons of games against the Brew Crew and the Reds to go down the stretch. If they lose, they're five out. And if you're five games out going into the trade deadline, that's that's a huge that's a different story. Now, do I think they trade Bellinger? I don't, because then it sends a message that 
I, I can't really get behind. Like if you're a team, especially a team like the Cubs, you should be trying to win unless you're like in a legitimate full blown rebuild like they were in 2012 and 2013. You got to be putting your best foot forward. You got to make free agents say, hey, I want to go play for the Cubs. Why would Otani come sign with the Cubs if he knows that every time the Cubs ink a good player to a one-year deal, they're just going to trade him in August, regardless of where they are in the standings? Otani wouldn't appreciate seeing something like that. So I think it sends a good message to keep Bellinger and you know maybe add a starting pitcher before the trade deadline, I do think tonight's game is going to be incredibly important, but the Cubs in a positive way, the players have forced Jed Hoyer's hand. And I know it's the nationals and the Cardinals and the white Sox who they beat since the all-star break. And, but you know, major league baseball teams are major league baseball teams. The Oakland A's went on a seven game winning streak back earlier in the season. Like teams are it's major league baseball for a reason. And you know, who's to say they can't carry that momentum into a series with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I know they got the white Sox again later in uh, August. There are a couple other good teams mixed in there, but still the Cubs are, they have a solid roster. I like most of their batting order. And then the rotation, if they added a, a Verlander, or if they went out and got Blake Snell from the um, San Diego Padres, San Diego. I think mm-hmm. he'd probably be their game one starter if they ended up making the playoffs. So, you know, the Jed Hoyer has some interesting decisions to make. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer here because if they trade Bellinger and barely miss the playoffs. Yeah, it won't send that good of a message, but at least, you know, they'll be able to rally around whoever they acquire in the trade and talk people into those. And then if they do buy or stay pretty stagnant and just miss the playoffs, I don't think that's going to kill any momentum that they have going into 2024 when I could see the Cubs being a pretty good team. And nor, nor shouldn't I think that's a, I'm glad you said that, Vinny. Now, uh, the Padres are going to be very stubborn, and you know, apparently they're not going to sell. So, you know, stubborn uh, they are. Now, let's talk about the Reds for, for a second. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that the Reds would be in this position right now, lean the center as we're talking. But do you think that they make a little moves to kind of like go for this year? Or do you kind of like bring in a veteran guy, like maybe a Verlin or someone like that? You know, do they, yeah, I don't want, I don't think they should mortgage their future. What do you think the Reds will do? I wouldn't trade a single top 10 prospect if I were the Reds for like one of their top 10 prospects, but I also wouldn't consider myself a seller or staying stagnant either. If they can get a good starting pitcher to come in and help out for, you know, the rest of the season, I do think getting into the playoffs, it has value for your future. And if the Reds can hang on to the NL Central Division, I think that can lead to like three or four of the next six division titles for them just because of this one base year where the players on the team learned a lot and had this experience together. I mean, who doesn't love watching Ellie De La Cruz play baseball? I've never yes. been more I've never been more excited about a young player in baseball. Like he he's literally everything you want in an offensive player. He's fast, he's got power, he can hit, he can run, he's smart. And he he loves winning and he loves competing. So I think the Reds are going to be a very fun team to watch for a long time. I would not mortgage the future. They were my prediction for Lucas Giolito. Dead wrong on that. Closest I came to getting that right was he did go to a team that wears the color red, but that doesn't count. It's <laughs> one of those things where I, I, I just hope the Reds are smart and don't mess this up because I do think – them, the Cubs, and then kind of the shell of the Brew Crew. The Cardinals always find a way to rise above. I know they're having a hard year right now, but they're still the St. Louis Cardinals, and they'll they'll get themselves back into contention again. The NL Central could be really fun for the next half decade if all these teams keep it up. 
Um, I, I hope the Reds are really smart here. Add a, add a starting pitcher, maybe a bullpen arm, but don't give up too many young pieces in order to do so. Let's head over to America League West, Vinny. Uh, the Houston Astros, of course, they picked up uh, one time uh, Astro from a few years ago. Of course, former White Sox player Kendall Graveman uh, to bust up that bullpen. But do you think they, you mentioned Justin Verlander earlier, but do you think the Astros will pick up another starter uh, before tomorrow night's trade deadline, or do you think they'll pick up another bet? Because that's how they got back in this race. I do. I would be a little surprised if the Astros just did nothing. They kind of had a hard start to the season. Jose Abreu wasn't hitting. They had some guys injured. Altuve was banged up from the World Baseball Classic. But if I know the Houston Astros and what they've built in the last decade, it's that when October comes around, not a single team in the American League is going to want to match up with them in the first round, especially if they add a Verlander or a Snell or, you know, a Dylan Cease if the White Sox go crazy. Um I don't think the Astros have the farm system for that. They're kind of hinging on their MLB roster right now. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I really wouldn't pick against the Astros against any team in the American League playoffs right now. I really don't think I would. Um, if the Astros played the Braves again in the World Series, I would be 0% surprised. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the Astros and you have people believing that, and I know they believe that in their front office, they have to go out and do something. So, And I know the Texas Rangers are having a marvelous season. I love what they've built. They've done what the White Sox should have did. They built this nice young core through mm -hmm. a rebuild and a couple hundred lost seasons in a row. And then they went out and spent money on Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. And then they went out and got the Grom, who is the number – Besides Derrick Rose, I can't think of a professional athlete in my lifetime that I would like take injuries away from if I could, um, because Jacob DeGrom is just incredible and so fun to watch. So I, I hope that the Rangers, you know, from a fan point of view, I hope the Rangers give the Astros hell. Nobody wants to see the Astros win again. But I mean, <laughs> they're. They're that good, and it wouldn't shock me at all if they are aggressive between, you know, over the next how many hours we got left? I'm not a math guy. 28 hours till the trade deadline? Give or take, yeah. Give or, so, give or take, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're going to be active. They're one of those teams, and if I were an Astros fan, I'd be bragging my face off because that team is just unreal. Now, before we move on to uh, to football here, you know, teams like the Blue Jays, and you know, we've seen what the Angels have done, and um, you know, maybe the Giants might, you know, I know they've made some moves already. Do you think either one of those teams could be sellers and who, you know, could they vie for some of those guys like the Verlanders and, you know, those types of players? I know you talked about maybe going to a small market, but what about maybe a Toronto or, you know, you know, someone like that or, or, a Mar or the Mariners who are right there in the, uh, in the AL wildcard? Yeah, I wonder, is there a more exciting team to think about from the American League but possibly making it to the World Series than the Toronto Blue Jays? I think that team is just like so stacked from top to bottom with pure talent, and it'd be nice to see it all come together um, once October rolls around. I like the Blue Jays in the playoffs too because they're the only team in baseball that has an entire country behind them. It's mm -hmm. kind of like watching a World Cup game when the Blue Jays play against someone in the playoffs. You know, you just got one. People in Vancouver, British Columbia are rooting for the Blue Jays. It's awesome. And so, yes, I could see them making a move. They added, was it Hicks yesterday? Yes, Jordan Hicks. And yes. So, you know, they're, they're just really going for it. And when you have a lineup that has studs like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and, you know, Springer, and there's all sorts of good players all over the place. Is Springer injured right now? I don't even know if Springer's injured right now. He's a little banged up. I know he got hurt yesterday during that series against the yeah, Angels. Yeah, but they just got tons of talent from top to bottom, and it's super fun to watch. So, yes, I could see the Blue Jays being amongst those teams. The Mariners, on the other hand, 
I've been a little disappointed with this season. I actually thought they would be right there with with the Astros. They're doing what the Rangers are they I thought they'd do what the Rangers are doing, you know, kind of making the Astros pull their hair out at going into the trade deadline and, you know, be that competitive team. They're still a really good team and I wish the White Sox were in the Mariners position right now. But if they ended up selling off, I actually also wouldn't be all that surprised either. So I, I think so the Rays and the Orioles, one's going to win the division and the other has the top wild card spot. Pretty. I don't think either of them are losing it. So that means there are four teams for two wild card spots, basically. Mm-hmm. And or it might even be six teams within two and a half games, if you include the Yankees for those two last wild card spots. Like it's a really tough race. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Mariners do. They went all in last, not all in last year, but they made some big trades and you know, they ended up getting the playoffs and doing well, but this time around, I'm not so certain that they will be as aggressive as a team like the blue Jays. We're heading home. We are heading down the whole stretch with the guy, Vinny Parise from fansided.com in the barroom network right here on second city sports. Sid Lakina hanging out with you. Live in Living Color here on Sports on Chicago. Let's turn the page over to football. Of course, the Chicago Bears are they're predicted by some to be that surprise team in the NFC this year. Vinny, I want to ask you, besides Justin Fields, what, you, what else are you looking forward to uh, in watching the 2023 Chicago Bears? I'm interested to see how Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus handle a potential season that has some expectations. Um, Every year there is a team that goes from last place to first place, and that's because the NFL by design has schedules designed for last place teams to play Mm -hmm. last place schedules. So the Bears are going to play all the teams that came in last place in the NFC last year, and that's going to end their extra game. You know, the, uh, the extra game against the AFC, that 17th game that they added a couple years ago, that is going to be against the last mm-hmm. place team. So you're at it. There's four or five games this season that are against teams that were in last place last year. The Green Bay Packers aren't going to be the same team that they were without Aaron Rodgers. I know they weren't great last year, but I can't see Jordan Love coming in and in year one replicating anything that Rodgers has done in the last half decade or more, well, way more. Um, I, the Lions, I think, have a good roster, but until they're, they prove otherwise, they're still the Detroit Lions in a lot of people's minds. Um, I probably should lose that because they're probably going to prove a lot of people wrong this year. But and then the, Vi- <laughs> the Vikings are the Vikings. You know, they, they could be a 10-win team. Kirk Cousins is a B-plus quarterback. I like the way he handles himself and plays the game. Uh, they could easily be a winning team, too. But, you know, I look at the NFC, and I'm like, okay, you got the Philadelphia Eagles, and you got the San Francisco 49ers. Beyond those two teams, who are you locking in into a playoff spot right now? Is it the Dallas Cowboys? No. You know, is Danny Dimes going to repeat what he did last year with the New York football giants? I'm not sure. He might. Um, Are the Vikings going to be right there again? I don't know. The NFC South might really be horrible. It wouldn't shock (laughs) me if an eight or nine win team wins that division with Tom Brady being gone. And, so I don't know. The NFC is wide open, and I'm interested to see how Eberflus and Poles go about it if they do start the season three and one, or you know if they find a way to win a big game early on in the season that tells people like, hey, the Bears they they they're going to make some noise this year. It's going to be interesting. I hope they start to have a winner's mentality going forward. That's what I'm looking forward to the most, besides watching Justin Fields, of course. The, the whole thing with the uh, with the you know, fields and with the defense and stuff like that, the pass rusher. I know we talked about it. You know, we talked about for like, I feel like for like the last like three or four months, 
Do you see them be a, when, you, when do you see them perhaps maybe they picking up a pass rush? Will it be during training camp or will it be as we get to the season? Are they doing that kind of like a wait and see mode to see how this defense does? What do you think? I mean, I consider a pass rusher in the NFL the second most important position in all of football. You have to have a quarterback and you have to go get the other team's quarterback. If you don't, you're not going to be a truly elite Super Bowl contender for the most part. Every now and then you see a Nick Foles win a Super Bowl or something like that, but you know, he was good enough in the playoffs, right? And the same thing applies to a uh, edge rusher that is supposed to go out there and make the quarterback run for his life. You have three decent ones still left on the market. I know a lot of Bears fans like to talk about Yannick Ngakwe. I think he's outstanding and probably the number one guy I would choose, Justin Houston. If the Baltimore Ravens don't have a deal with him by now, I mean, anybody should be able to swoop in and get him at this point. And then I think Jadeveon Clowney still has value in this league. He could go out there, even if he's not necessarily the guy anymore like the Pro Bowl type guy that he was early in his career. I remember he was supposed to be like Hall of Famer when he was with South Carolina, uh, the number one pick too. But I mean, you go out and you get one of those guys, I think you have a chance to really make some noise on this defense. Um, They're not going to be the 18 Bears or the 06 Bears or anything like that. I won't even mention the other great Bears defense because that's just funny. But I mean... (laughs) It's one of those things like, why not? Why those guys, if one of them wants to play in Chicago, why wouldn't you come add them? Because then you have a foundation on defense that you could kind of rally around this year. And you, the offense is sure to score some points, I would think. I would hope. Um, you, you just can't, you can't be a three win team against, and I don't think they're going to. Um, but adding a guy like that would certainly help the defense. I'm all for it. I hope it happens within the, you know, I think when do practices start with full pads i think it's tomorrow wednesday Wednesday. is it wednesday Wednesday? yeah so like by the time you get to there it'd be awesome to have one of these guys in the fold full time um i really like yannick and gakwe i think he fits what the bears do perfectly and going back to the offense Vinny, of course we talk about justin fields but they they traded for a number one wide receiver named dj moore of course they have trace claypool who they traded for a second round pick uh last year uh what do you expect out of those two gentlemen this year, barring injury, of course? If Darnell Mooney can stay healthy, I don't see how they don't form a top trio in the division. I'm trying to think of a better – I mean, Justin Jefferson is the best uh, wide receiver in the NFC North, but, like, is his number two and number three as good as a Mooney or a Claypool? I, I don't really know. Uh, Thielen, he's, he's – is he – I don't even know what's up with him. Yeah, he's it's gone probably, with the Panthers now. That's right. Yeah. He is with the Panthers now. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I think this trio can be one of the better um, in the NFC North. So, yeah, why not? Everybody, they get on the Bears for trading that second-round pick for Claypool. It, what was it, like, week 10 when they did that? Not even. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you don't know what they would have taken with that second-round pick. Like, would they have been as – you know, effective in helping Justin Fields, even if all Claypool does is make Justin Fields feel good about himself. He's a win on the roster in my book. So, you know, I I can't wait to see what becomes of his career and hopefully this change of scenery helps him. He showed flashes of brilliance with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what can I say about DJ Moore? He's awesome. So I I think the wide receivers could make an impact. I can't remember the last time we came into the uh, season talking about a trio of wide receivers, maybe, Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, but they didn't even really have like a true number three that year, did they? It was Martellus Bennett and Matt Forte was a tight end and running back. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, a trio of wide receivers that we're talking about, it's not really a commonplace in Chicago Bears 
um, conversation. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. All right, we're wrapping things up here with Vinny Paris here on Second City Sports. On Sports Central, Conley, Keenan McGee, Cindy Bro with you. Now, let's go on to the ice and talk some hockey. Now, we did get a chance to talk about this. I'm talking about uh, Sid and I, but Patrice Bergeron, one of the all-time uh, greats in recent years, announced his retirement a few days ago. And you know, he has a couple of gold medals under his belt for Canada. He went to the Stanley Cup final three times with the Bruins. Um, he scored over 427 27 goals in 19 seasons. Good grief. He's in there. He was he played 19 seasons. Good grief. <laughs> but, you know, make you feel old. But, yeah, so uh, what are your best memories of uh, Bergeron? And we know he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But, uh, you know, where do you measure him amongst, among, well, we'll say in recent times. You know, maybe it might be a little hard to do it, like, you know, all time phrase, but definitely in, like, the last 20, 25 years. Yeah, I certainly think he's the greatest two-way forward who ever lived, right? Like in terms of he's the best player in the history of the league to be good at offense, defense, special teams, everything involved with hockey. And, you know, most other guys, they're really good at one thing and then they're okay at other things. Bergeron played in the Crosby Ovechkin era, so it's best to compare him to you know that group of players. Evgeny Malkin it was the third best player of the Crosby Ovechkin era. Then I would put Patrick Kane fourth, and then I'd probably put Patrice Bergeron fifth. So he's really, truly one of the elite Hall of Fame type talents of his era. The Bruins did so much winning because of his ability to do everything right. He never scored 50 goals or anything like that. He never had, you know, 70 assists like some of the great playmakers in the league. But he would have 30 goals and 40 assists. But he would be plus 50 and uh, face off winning percentage close to 60 percent. And teams would have scored less than 10 goals against when he was on the ice. Uh, it's he's one of those. He was just a perfect hockey player. I always say when I have kids, I'm not having them watch highlights of Sidney Crosby or Alex. I mean, they could for fun. But when we're learning how to play the game, you're going to be watching Patrice Bergeron highlights because I literally think he was a perfect hockey player. And I'm super happy that. He's a, he was able to have such a long, fruitful career. It's very decorated. He won the Selkie Trophy for the league's top two-way forward six times, and that's an NHL record. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be broken anytime soon. You know, we have some young, really good defensive forwards that are capable of putting up 85 points in the NHL right now. That's how you win the Selkie Trophy. I don't think any of them are going to win six, right? If one wins mm-hmm. two, he'll be happy. So, you know, shout out to Bergeron. He was an outstanding NHL player for a long time, and he's right up there with with the greats of his era, for sure. Uh, Rocky Words, a Black Hawks chairman, uh, suddenly passed away uh, last week at the age of 70. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when the news came out, and uh, what do you think his legacy will be um, um, since he's passed? Yeah, so his legacy is going to be a complicated one because of some of the things that have happened in recent years with the Blackhawks organization and such. And that's always, you know, a tough thing to think about when it comes to his legacy as the owner of the Blackhawks, though. I do think people will remember the fact that when he did take over um, the road, the home games weren't on TV. Um, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were both freshly about to make their rookie debuts, I think. Taves was drafted and then he didn't play the following year, but then he made his rookie debut with Kane the following year in 2007. And Mm -hmm. basically since then under his leadership, hiring John McDonough from the Cubs and, you know, changing the way he he gets there and John McDonough arrives and they don't even have a person answering the phone for like, um, you know, whatever business endeavors a, a professional sports franchise has to deal with. They had none of that. 
And they were probably out of, I don't know how many teams there are amongst the big four in the United States. It's like, what, 120-something teams? They were probably dead last in terms of relevance and success, both on and off the playing surface. Um, then Rockworts came in, and all these people were hired. Dale Talon was already in there, and they had a core being built. He gave them permission to sign Marion Hosa. And they put in a development team that is able to turn Duncan Keith from a second-round pick into one of the best defensemen of all time. And Brent Seabrook was his perfect Robin to the Batman. And Jonathan Taves is basically a diet Bergeron. Um, Patrick Kane's one of the best offensive players of all time. All of that happens because of the things that Rockwards did as an owner. So um, uh, we're sad to see him go. I know the Blackhawks are probably going to do a lot to honor him this season. And, you know... Um, I'm thinking of him and his family for sure. All right, Vinny. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. We're gonna definitely gonna have you back uh, with us. Where can people find you, read you, listen to you, all that other good stuff? Absolutely. So I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. I pretty much retweet and quote tweet or whatever you're calling it these days with, you know, Elon taking X over Twitter. I'm XYZing. Yeah. I'm ABCing on Twitter.com at Vinny Parisi. Um, I'm covering the trade deadline like crazy. A couple things for the White Sox and the Cubs going up here within a couple hours. And then, of course, Bears training camp going on, covering it all. The hockey season will be here before you know it. So all of that at fansided.com. And then, of course, the podcasts at the Barroom Network. So I appreciate you guys for having me on. And this was a complete blast. I loved it. All right. Is your podcast on tonight with our buddy Joe Mandel? Yes, it is. Tonight at 8 p.m. Central, South Burbs Hitman. We have a trade deadline extravaganza. So looking forward to that as well. All right. People support that. Real support that. You tell our buddy Joe Mandel, a friend of the show, we said hello. And we'll definitely have him back on this program again. As Lakina said, we'll definitely have you back on this program again. So you keep pumping up that great content and we'll, uh, you know, much continued success. And we'll talk to you down the road, okay? Absolutely. Sydney, Lakina, thank you very much for having me. I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. No, thank Same you. Here. Stay safe, Vinny. You too. All right. All right. That was Vinny Paris from Fanside and, of course, the Barroom Network as well. Said, let's, you know, let's do a little bit stretching here. We got a lot to do still. Yes. We're going to talk some more, and we're gonna talk some more NFL, some sports media news, including some big potential news with the NBA uh uh, broadcast teams we'll talk more about that also to old school tv monday we'll see what uh sid has in store it's sid's turn this week so uh looking forward <laughs> to seeing what he's gonna he's gonna you know be surprised to me as well folks so lots to do still we can't make you sitting around second season sports as always sports on chicago we wrap things up coming up right after this this year my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school these colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom.
Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only ten, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Welcome back to Second City Sports uh, on the last break of the show for today. Uh, let, yeah, let's break out the show for today. We have less than 20 minutes remaining with this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. Sid the Kid is me. McKinney McGee is she. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter, X, and the Keenan's going on the IG. <laughs> We have less than uh, 20 minutes left of this show, as I said. If you want to get those last-minute questions or comments in, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lakino will get them up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can also get Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. All right, so where do you want to uh, go first here? Because we got a lot to Oh, uh, the NBA to broadcast team. That's something I haven't heard yet. We heard whispers. Here and there with a, with a few names, especially after the ESPN layoffs a few weeks ago. You said you had the latest on that. Yeah, this is according to uh, Andrew Marchand, of course, does a great job uh, with uh, the New York uh, Post. And, of course, he and uh, sports business journal John Oran do a great podcast. You know, that's posted you know, every week. You can know, catch that wherever you get your podcast. Now, he came out about a couple of hours ago, I guess, is according to uh, what his sources are saying, that uh, apparently Doris Burke, is close to being promoted. She'll be the first female to call uh, the NBA Finals in the history of the NBA. And also, too, here's a name that uh, 
that we haven't heard in a while, especially well on the uh, the broadcast from is Doc Rivers that she could be working with. You know, him will be her. You know, Doris, uh, Coach Rivers, and uh, Mike Green that'll be the new number one team, while Mark Jackson could be promoted to the B team. So. You know, what do you think about this latest news? Of course, nothing's official yet, but apparently this is uh, this is what you know, Mr. Uh, Andrew's been hearing. So, what do you think? What do you think? Mama, they're gonna say man again, <laughs> being demoted mm. to the number two team. I think he's he's gonna sound great with uh, Mark Jones. I, I think that's that's gonna be entertaining within itself. But the number one team is still respectable. You mentioned might bring one of the best. Um, top basketball voice, TV voices uh, in the NBA. Of course, he does a great job locally with the New York Knicks for MSG. Of course, Doris Burke has been around and has done great work for the, for a long time. It's finally – I'm glad she's got her chance to get her doing as far as doing uh, color commentary for the NBA Finals. I know she did a heck of a job sideline reporting, but she's more than that. I'm glad she's getting an opportunity. Doc Rippers, uh, will he – the question is how long will he last? Will it be this season, next season – who knows? Because I don't think he's really done with coaching unless he comes out right now and says so, which I don't think he will. I mean, that's just me personally. But it's a respectable number one team. Remember, he did this before locally with the San Antonio Spurs during that lockout season in 99. Of course, he took over the Orlando Magic. Of course, yeah, he did games with um, Al Michaels on ABC before he went to Sunday Night Football. And, of course, he got – talking about Doc Rivers got back into coaching again. So uh, it's going to be a, a, a great – transition for that number one team for ABC and ESPN. I think they'll do some great work, but I think the question is uh, how long will Doc Rivers say will it be just for next season? Will it be beyond next season? We'll see, but uh, in the short term, I think this is a great move for ESPN. Yeah, he's only 61. He'll be 62 uh, later in October, so that's not that's not old, you know, by uh, NBA <laughs> coaching standards, so well, I don't know what that was, but uh, yeah. it's not old. Sorry. It's not yeah, it's not old by we're doing this live, folks. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, it's not old by NBA coaching standards. So unless he comes out and says that, hey, you know, I'm done coaching, I'm retiring, blah blah blah. I know he wants to get that uh, taste from the Sixers job and that that whole thing out of his mouth. So, you know, he might be something. So you know, it's gonna be interesting though. But yeah, I mean, look, I think they'll be a good tandem, and I think you know, should that be official, we probably won't know about it. So probably maybe, um, maybe next month, I guess, you know, with the next few weeks. But, you know, of course, you know, Mark Jansen, Mark Jackson, we'll see where he goes. If he does get, you know, demoted, like, does most B.O.B., you know, saying adios, especially NBC gets it gets some part of the NBA rights, you know, coming up in the next couple of years. So mm-hmm. that's lots to look out for, too, you know. Lots of, a lot can happen. So this is going to get very interesting, the little, this down, how the dominoes fall. Yes, and as we talked about a few weeks ago, too, with those layoffs from ESPN Lakina about some of those guys that got laid off, they covered the NBA, like Jalen Rose, Nick Friedel, and some of the other ones. So could they be waiting out for if NBC gets those gets that deal in a couple of years? Because many of them could be a great additions to the new NBA NBC, should that happen in a couple of years that they get that part of that rights deal for the NBA in a couple of years. Definitely something to watch out for mm-hmm. uh, as well. Uh, I think there was something else. I got to look it up real quick. I think there was another, uh, some more, uh, you know, TV news. Oh, uh, Good Karma Brands uh, is taking over a lot of the uh, ESPN uh, radio, you know, you know things. You know, they've already taken over ESPN Milwaukee. Of course, we know here in Chicago, they've taken over mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the advertising for ESPN here in Chicago. So they're actually going to be more nationally. So I think, 
I think ESPN has been kind of want to get out of the uh, the radio business. So Good Karma Brands will run the operations and sales for national ESPN radio, all the and the podcast as well. So this might this might give me a little bit of a rejuvenation to the that that part of the ESPN, which has kind of been second last year, you know, five or six years, especially since Mike and Mike broke up. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned with the Good Karma Brands, they have done a great job running some of those ESPN radio stations locally. I don't know if they have ESPN New York yet. I had to look that up. But I know, like you mentioned, ESPN Milwaukee, they have they have the one here in Chicago. I believe they have the one in Los Angeles too, AM yeah. 710 ESPN. So uh, th- those stations have really improved under, under their branding. So uh, things can not only these can uh, not only go up for ESPN with this new uh, branding, but uh, we'll see what they do with their lineup because, we, we, as we mentioned for the last few weeks, you know, Freddie Coleman, I think Amber Wilson, Jay Williams, have uh, they have mm-hmm. taken their turns doing that morning show. We'll see what happens come uh, come the fall, but I, I know this as well as you do, Lakina. Uh, nothing is, is like live sports. You know, you know there's a space for sports sports radio, sports talk shows still. I know it's branched out now thanks to what we do here on the internet and YouTube and podcasts and things of that nature. But I think it's still a place for a live sports radio talk. You just have to uh, repackage it in a different way and make it available to more people. Like, mm-hmm. like I will just take both our local uh, sports radio stations here in Chicago with 670 and, and of course, ESPN 1000. Now, you can not only just listen to it on a traditional radio, but you, you can listen to it on their apps. You can watch their shows live via Twitch and YouTube. If you're Mitch Rosen, 670 score, please get on YouTube live, please. I know you're yeah. on Twitch, but please get on YouTube, please, like ESPN 1000 is doing. Not, they're not just on Twitch live, but they're on YouTube live as well. So 670 score, please find a way to get live on YouTube, just saying. But with that being said, you have more avenues for people to consume your product. I think Good Karma Brands have just has done that so far to this point. Let's see if they can do it nationally here for ESPN Radio. Definitely need a little bit of a boost there. So it'll be interesting to see what, what's going to be that in the 5 to 9 you know, a.m. Central time, our time uh, slot there because you got a little bit of a hole there too. So we'll interested to see what they decide to do with that particular time slot. And they know that a lot of the affiliates here, especially here in Chicago, are too crazy about having a national show, you know, at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, especially especially with the with uh, football season uh, getting ready to start. So in a little bit, so that's going to be another thing that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Now, one one show that will not be on ESPN Radio is the Pack McAfee show. There were some rumors that maybe you know he you know that show will be simulcast on the ESPN TV or when it usually comes on or on ESPN Radio. Mm-hmm. It looks like that's not going to happen. So. You know that that's gonna live a little bit of a void there. So it'll be interesting to see what what do they do. I mean, I, I know they're gonna want to kind of like be someone who's gonna be the face of that ESPN radio show. Freddie Coleman, I think, is probably natural because he's the longest tenure guy there now. But he's been mm-hmm. doing some college football. I'm sure he's gonna be doing some college hoops too later this year. So you know that that's gonna be the thing where it's, it'll be interesting to see what what they decide to do. But yeah, because they definitely need a little bit of a boost for them on the radio side for them. Yeah, and one one quick thing before we move on, as far as the Good Comer Brands um, company, ESPN nationally still has a lot of live broadcasts, as you just mentioned. You know, we have football, football, both college and NFL coming up within the next month or so, a little bit over a month, month and a half or so. But you still have the NBA, and yet, uh, which most TV stations for sure, and radio stations too, is nothing like live. Uh, sports broadcasting that's where you make your most money and i just want to see how good common brands can can sell those 
the, those games nationally as far as advertising is concerned to get more people to listen. And, of course, you have the baseball playoffs coming up in October as well because every game on nationally is on ESPN radio. So I want to see how the, uh, how the advertising package uh, comes about and how, how can I get the advertising and get the people to listen. Yeah, so that's going to be – we'll just see where that goes. Um, it was like I can say sports. On Sports of Chicago, Lakeena McGee, Cindy Brown with you. Um, Colorado is the latest uh, you know, school that's on the move. They're going back to – they're moving from the Pac-12 back to the Big 12. The move will uh, be official, I think, in the, in the next year or two. So – not a, I mean, I'm not really big, not really a big shocker, of course, with USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten next year. You know, Colorado. This came out on Friday, but yeah, Colorado being the latest team to move. You know, switch conferences. You know, going back to the Big Twelve, and you know, look, I guess we we realized that this is all about money and whatnot. Of course, mm-hmm. San Diego State. Who you thought that maybe you know they may not go anywhere, but it looks like I'm sure the Pac-12 is going to court them to perhaps lead the Mountain West. So a, a lot. The, this, this, you know, conference musical chairs is just a, a pain, you know what. So, so what do you think? <laughs> yeah, like you say, it is a pain in the neck, and uh, it's all about it. All comes down to the money, as you well know. At the end of the day, of course, remember the situation with San Diego saying, "Oh, we want to leave the Mountain West to go to the Petro." Uh, not yet. So we're going back to the Mountain West. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Colorado's still trying to make moves. Of course, they got now head coach Deion Sanders there now. Is he trying to rebuild that program back up? It's all about it's all about the almighty paper at the end of the day. As you know well well known, like you know, with the Big Ten getting their media a big media deal, which starts this year. Of course, the SEC I believe starting next year with ESPN. So. It's all it's all about preparing for that um, that big payday. And of course, you have the expansion of the college football playoff. I believe that starts next year, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yep. So it's all in preparation for that. Is you try to uh, put yourself in the best position to participate in that tournament, which is a big payday, by the way. So it all comes down to the money at the end of the day. Well, we have a, a, a super conference, a big time super conferences against non conferences. I hope it doesn't turn that way, that way, but on the outside, it looks that way as far as what we see right now. Yeah, and I, yeah, and it, it's a little bit weird. Like I said, it was, it was so weird when uh, Colorado left the Big 12 to go to Pac, you know, 10, you know, now 12. So I always thought it was a little bit weird when they did that. But like you said, it's sort of like the money chasing in the end of the mm-hmm. day. So, you know, they thought that maybe, you know, with the TV deals, they'll probably get a little bit more on the TV side, money side with the Big 12. So we just see what the Pac-12 does. Of course, you know, UCLA, UCLA are going to be leaving next year. And now Colorado's leaving. So you're kind of like, you're sort of, you're wondering like, okay, where do we go from here? I'm talking about the Pac-12. You're already, mm-hmm. you know, you're already having a weird, having a hard time with uh, the TV contract. So this isn't going to help. So I, I don't know. I mean, my, 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 my head's spinning from, and, and hurting from all, all these, you know, moving around. It's just, it's just absurd at this point. Uh, is that Deion Sanders calling you? <laughs> yeah, it might be Deion on the phone, but uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, he might be uh, recruiting you to come to Colorado. <laughs> Maybe, who knows? Yeah, look, you know, a little NIL money. I mean, we might, we, well, it depends on what NIL money is. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk, but yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with this. But yeah, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be more, you know, conference maneuvering, if you will, coming up. So, you know, with all this, this, you know, this whole year, especially with, you know, schools coming back, you know, there's, you know, you got practices, you know, practices starting to happen starting early later next, this week into next week, you know, with the, some of the mm-hmm. football and the soccer and women's volleyball, they're starting to practice again. So 
it's it's all the beginning for I'm sure we're going to be seeing more and more of this. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago. Uh, we might have to pick this up on Friday, Lakina, but I'll just get the ball rolling. This comes to uh, this um, ranking comes to us from our good friends at CBSSports.com. And Jordan DeJohnny, I believe it's the author, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, he says he has the ranking, his personal rankings of the top 10 wide receivers for 2023 uh, in the National Football League. I'll just go through the list. I'll go through the uh, back half of the list. Starting at number 10, Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins. Number 9, Devo Samuel of the San Francisco 49ers. Number 8, C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys. Number 7, A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. And number 6, Cooper Cup, who was injured last year for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that he's not that high. I mean, he's actually, he was still, he was actually having a quote-unquote, you know, good year, even though the team itself was, I'm talking about Cup, had a down yeah. year or so before he got hurt. So, interesting that he has him up that high. I mean, Debo, I mean, we'll just see how much he has left in the tank, how much they're going to use him. Because remember, mm-hmm. he's also a running back, too. He might be playing quarterback. If they, you know, well, well, Purdy's been doing pretty well with the rehab, so he might be back mm-hmm. you know, before the first preseason game in a couple of weeks for the 49ers. You know, we'll see what, where Trey Lance is by then. But, you know, City Lamb, I think you wonder, okay, how, you know, Dak, you know, how is that going to kind of like, you know, sort of transpire? We know what A.J. Brown can do, especially, you know, it'll be interesting. Will he be used more? Because he got that, they got about 12 running backs over there in Philadelphia. So, you yeah. Know, he may not, we may not, and I don't, he may not, he may not mind that. So who knows with that one? But I think I got them all right. The, the all five that you mentioned. Oh, well, no, no, no. Uh, 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 the one from Miami. I've, uh, Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. He's at I number mean, 10. Yeah. So I'm um, interested to see, you know, especially if, I think they'll, I think we talked about it for like the last few weeks. I mean, Tua, Tua's health. I mean, that that's going to be the mm-hmm. key if he can have a breakout year. So, you know, if Waddle can have, well, we saw a flash of half flash of him last year before uh, Tua got hurt. So, the key is going to be, you know, can Tua stay healthy more than anything? Yeah. Continuing the list from Jordan Dejani from CBSSports.com. Com, his top 10 wide receivers to watch for, finishing off the top half of the list. Number five, Stefan Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. He needs to have a great year. The whole team needs to have a great year in advance in the playoffs. Hopefully his issues, wherever it is going on with uh, with him, between him and Josh Allen, they'll be uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Number four, Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals. Number three, Devontae Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders. Number two, Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, number one, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. Well, I'll do well, I'll do Tyreek Hill. Same thing I feel about that with Jalen Waddle. I mean, again, it's, gonna, it's all going to depend on Tua's health. We know Hill can be a running back, too, but I think the receiver is really going to be more that he wants to do. So, again, it's all going to be about Tua's health. That's going to be the, the million-dollar mm-hmm. question. Can he stay healthy? So uh, that's the whole thing with the Miami as a whole. Um, Stefan Diggs, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, he, he said that, look, they all, they've hunted out whatever issue was. So again, as long as it doesn't show on the field, I think whatever issues that they are, hopefully they've worked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, who are the other ones on that list? Oh, sorry. My, uh, my memory is kind of like, you know, okay. The, ooh, it, my screen can come back up. Uh, number three was, uh, Devante Adams of the Las Vegas Raiders. Number four was Jamar Chase of Cincinnati. Yeah, Jamar Chase. I mean, that's gonna be interesting too, especially with uh, Joe Burrow. We'll we'll know, we'll we'll see if he's gonna be back by tr- uh, by week one. You know that mm-hmm. that injury. I know uh, Zach Taylor said uh, several weeks, whatever that means. That could be a month. That could be six weeks. You know, we don't really know the extent. Yeah. So, 
and that was. And that, but I think the best case scenario, I think we talked about it on Friday, like, like you know, I didn't think it, this was going to happen anyway, pre-injury, but I didn't think Joe Burrow is going to play in the preseason anyway. So uh, the, if you're a Cincinnati, your best case scenario is he's going to miss the whole preseason, like you said, just get ready for September 10th at the Cleveland Browns. That's uh, Cincinnati season opener. That could be a, that cabbage. could be something to look out for too as the season goes mm-hmm. on, especially early if he struggles or about Burrow. So that could be as a key to whether or not you know Chase can kind of be you know be even bigger than what he was last couple of years. So that's going to be kind of like the question there. Now Devontae Adams is going to be interesting because you know he's going to have Jimmy G. You know, look, Jimmy G got the got the old got the go ahead and the clean bill at house. So we'll see if those two can kind of be a nice little tandem together and that the, uh, over there in Vegas. And that's going to be the, really going to be the thing. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what, what, how he does. Yeah. Because I think that who's Vegas is back up. Uh, uh, Jerry Stern, I believe who got some run last year. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely going to be a major drop off. And should have been something happens to Jimmy Garoppolo this year. So the Raiders have a lot of work to do. Of course, I know that I think they brought him back on a run year deal with Josh Jacobs. So, uh, a whole lot of pressure is going to be on Adams as well as Jacobs and Jimmy Garoppolo. As he's trying to prove himself he's worthy of being a starter in the NFL, uh, being injury prone. Of course, you mentioned Jamar Chase here. He's looking for a payday. He's going to get it too, uh, of course, after Joe Burrow gets his money. So uh, pressure is going to be on Cincinnati. Can they duplicate what they did a couple of years ago and reaching going back to the Super Bowl? Last year they came up a game short of reaching their ultimate goal and getting back to the Super Bowl, but it's going to be pressure on Jamar Chase as well. Of course, Stefan Dix, as we said, you know, hopefully uh, they hugged it out, as he said. We'll see what happens because, you know, stuff is going to come up throughout the season. We'll see how he can he handles it because, remember, he faced the same similar situation in Minnesota a few years ago. He got his way and got the hell up out of there via trade. We'll see how he handles it this going around because uh, I don't think this is the end of it just yet. You hope it is if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, but uh, we'll see because pressure is on them now times a thousand. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll just see what what happens with that. Uh, Brian Hoyer, they just signed. They signed him to a one year deal to remember a couple uh, months ago, Sid. So he's a backup with a uh, Jimmy G. So we'll just okay. see what, uh, what well, he's the new Nick Foles. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I guess you know, Yeah, look, he's got a nice little uh, nice little uh, nest egg there. So uh, we'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think. Look, we know what he can do, and we saw his uh, SB speech a few weeks ago. I think he wants to kind of get even better. So, you know, him and Kirk Cousins, they got a nice little rapport. And I think there always could be a lot on him, especially with Dalvin Cook being gone. So it'll be – it's going to be interesting what he does. But, uh, yeah, so uh, I think his, his uh, mindset is just to get better. So we'll see. All right. You're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina hanging out here with you as an hour. We transition to – Old school TV Monday, Lakina. Let's hang out in Washington, D.C. And we are going back to the sports folder. Yay! And we are going to salute the George Michael Sports Machine. The George Michael Sports Machine was a syndicated sports-related American television program, which was launched in 1984. The show aired weekends, usually on Sunday nights, originated from WRC-TV in Washington, D.C., it was an NBC affiliated station. Most stations that aired the sports machine were NBC affiliates. The show was an offshoot of a local program that George Michael, a former disc jockey who became a sportscaster, hosted in Washington, D.C. beginning in 1980. Michael hosted the program for its entire run, which ended in 2007, in which Lindsay Zarniak, before ESPN, took over for Michael in 2007. The joined the, She joined the program as a substitute in 2004 and became... Michael's co-host in 2006. And of course, George Michael 
not the singer, but the broadcaster hosted the program from 1984 through 2004. And Lindsey Zernia took over full time in 2006 until his end of his run in 2007. It ran for 22 seasons. It was a 30 minute uh, sports program uh, operated out of out of Washington, D.C. It was NBC's first run syndication sports program, and it helped shape the future of sports programming. And it was a precursor, which many people have said, to ESPN Sports Center. And when CNN had their nightly sports show at the time. So mm-hmm. that show was a trailblazer to what we see now, not just on television, but online as well. And George Michael uh, was uh, great at what he did. And even though we were young, Lakina, I remember watching those shows at 11 o'clock on Sunday nights following Sports Sunday uh, with Mark Jean Grego. And of course, during the football season, we had of course, Steven and Michael, uh, he did some silly stuff on their program as well. But George Michael was a concert professional. He got to the highlights. He had his own delivery style. And it was a great program. Of course, this was popular before ESPN Sports Center became part of popular culture in the mid to late 90s. Uh, it set the trend for everybody to do what they're doing now. It was a great show. I loved watching it whenever I could watch it. You can see some stuff right here on YouTube. But I just want to pay homage to that uh, TV show, especially with the sports news going on right now with the start of NFL training camp, and of course, uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, look, I watched it a little bit, you know, even though whenever I could stay out, you know, my mom didn't make me go to bed like at 10, 9, 30. Same here, yeah, same here. <laughs> well, you, know, those, well, you know, those times when, you know, we, you know, that Monday, that next Monday, you know, you're off of school, you're able to stay up for a little bit, you know, President's Day, MLK Day and all that. Mm-hmm. I was able to watch a little Spring bit of it. <laughs> Yes, right. Well, yeah, it was rest. And summer break, too. I mean, of course, you know, when baseball comes, you know, it was, but really the best time to watch that show was during the football season because he would, you know, show some of the, the best highlights, also, too, some of the, uh, the, the dumb highlights, as he, he would call it. Yeah. So that was actually pretty funny when he showed some of the silly highlights, but those are probably the best part about it. I mean, he was definitely one of those guys, like he said, that was one of those shows where, like he said, that was way ahead of his time. That was before uh, ESPN, you know, became readily available in numerous homes. It was before CNN. Mm-hmm. Sports, really good times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and those the old sports channels, you know, from back in the day. So they def he definitely kind of like epitomized and sort of like became a trailblazer in that front because no one was really doing that. And I think he kind of brought mm-hmm. the national stuff, you know, to kind of like the local ES you know, NBC stations, if you will. And I remember when Lizzie Zodiac took over, I thought it was good. But you can kind of tell that something was kind of missing. Like you like you said, Sid, I mean, cable was becoming a big thing. So was YouTube mm-hmm. and all and social media and all that. So that kind of unfortunately, that was kind of the end of that. So but you remember Lizzie's gone on too. I think she's doing a lot of freelance work now. I know she's been yes. doing a so she's initially, I think she has a podcast too with his uh, her husband, uh, Craig Melvin, who's uh, of course NBC co- NBC's correspondent co-host on the Today Show and mm-hmm. um, two beautiful kids they they have, by the way. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was definitely kind of like sort of, you know, kind of reached out to some like the best moments and he wasn't, you know, you know, George wasn't afraid to make fun of people. So I think yeah. kind of like, you know, opened the door for that in that sense. And he interviewed some of the biggest stars in, in sports, including King Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Michael Jordan. I actually saw an interview that he did uh, with Michael Jordan after the Bulls won their uh, third NBA title over Phoenix. Uh, of course, yeah, he had that good uh, uh, good banter with people mm-hmm. as well. And they also did some great feature stories as well. So it wasn't just about the highlights. They did some great feature stories as well. I mentioned Randy Johnson. I think it was in that same episode, Lakina, that yep. he talked about. Uh, if you saw if you go go look it up. Um, I know my mind's racing fast, but go mm-hmm. look it up. Uh, someone put this up on YouTube a couple of months ago, the, the re-airing of the uh, Bulls-Suns game six. Um, 
championship. Someone put that up a few months ago. I ended up watching that last week. And this person recorded the George Michael uh, Sports Machine episode right after it. They had the, uh, the Michael Jordan interview in. They had the feature story by Randy Johnson. At that time, he was pitching for Seattle but about mm-hmm. the relationship between him and his father. I'm not going to give it all away, but I thought that was a great feature as well. They did feature stories, not just the highlights. And, and again, also gave the, uh, um, uh, the headlines and the previews of the upcoming games for the upcoming week, like we try to do here. And so they were trailblazing for everything. Many of the things that ESPN created over the years for Sports, Fair, Sports Center, I guarantee you they got it off of George Michael's sports machine. Yeah, very similar to what you saw now, of course, you know, the, you know, uh, the not, you know, the not plays of the week, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. of course, you know, you know, some of the in-depth, interview, you kind of got to know the guys, you know, those, the athletes a little bit there, uh, some of the interviews that he did, he kind of like got a lot of those, you know, players off out of their comfort zone and be, be a little bit more open that that's mm-hmm. what they were doing, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, I think he definitely kind of helped sort of pave the way for that, you know, like for ESPN, like you said, CNN Sports Tonight then. So I think mm-hmm. he definitely kind of helped, you know, in sort of like make that you know, sort of like a big thing here that we see now with Sports Center and, and all podcasting and YouTube. It kind of like paved the way for all of that. And of course, uh, George would sadly pass away a couple years after he retired in 20, uh, 2009 and 09 uh, due to uh, lymphoma. So uh, he sadly mm-hmm. he died of cancer. Uh, but you know he, his legacy lives on, and uh, and I know that they still, I think they still have his picture in the uh, NBC uh, 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 DC affiliate, the NBC Four affiliate in mm-hmm. DC. I think they still have his picture up in their sports department. So he definitely is sort of a, a well beloved figure that is still missed to this day. Yeah. So we like to salute on our old school TV Monday, the NBC syndicated sports highlight show on Sunday nights, George Michael's Sports Machine. Akina closes out. All right, you can follow me at Kingdom McGee on the Twitter and again, subscribe again, the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And please subscribe to our podcast. War Media Podcast, W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we'd like to thank Mr. Vinny Parise from Fansighted and the Barroom Network for joining us today. He did a great job breaking down the White Sox, Major League Baseball, hockey, and Bears football. You'll definitely hear him back on this program again soon. Of course, you can hear him as a freaking guest on Sean and Maya in the morning right here on Sports on Chicago. Make sure you tune in to their podcast tonight, the South Burps Hits uh, Hitmen, with our guy Joe Mandel, friend of the show here on Second City Sports. That's tonight at 8 8 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on YouTube. Just type in the Barroom Network on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel as well and catch that program. All right, absolutely. And of course, you know, speaking of your catching program, you can get Sports on Chicago anytime, anywhere on Roku TV. Uh, there you go. So, uh, of course, you know, if you got the Roku TV, whether you have it on the app or on, your, on the Fire Stick, you'll just type in Sports on Chicago. You know, right there the uh, near your Play Store. It's all right there for you. You can catch our show, Sean and Maya, the Smoke Bellas. I hope they're coming back tonight, I hope. Uh, also, too, and a whole lot more. And I know they're going to have some great content coming up with the NFL season starting in about a, a little over a month from now. So, you know, mm-hmm. no excuses. You know, celebrate with the squad. You have the programs, Sports of Chicago, Roku TV, anytime, anywhere, 7 
seven days a week, 24 hours a day, anytime you want. Yeah, and you know we will provide. <laughs> and speaking of Second City Sports, you can catch us live in the Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports Zone Chicago. One more again, as the kids would say. Catch Second City Sports live in the Living Color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports Zone Chicago. All right. All right, Sid. So first, Sid, I'm the Canada. You got the uh, baseball. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the trade deadline and all that stuff, you know, coming up on mm-hmm. Friday. We'll also have our girl, Christine Manica, once again, joining us for KXRB. Of course, you can catch, uh, if you guys are at the uh, women's soccer, you can catch the Royal Cup that's still continuing. They're finishing up the, mm-hmm. the group plays. I think I think the U.S. women, I think they play tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, make sure you guys check it out on, on the Big Fox Network. And, uh, of course, the baseball and all the other sports that are going on right now. And I believe there's going to be, uh, I think next week, I think it's going to be the first, the, the Hall of Fame game, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, there's going to be some football coming up soon. So, uh, yeah, so enjoy all the sports. Uh, this week for Sid, I'm the Candace with Second City Sports on Sports Social Chicago. Finally, getting some relief from this hot weather all over the country. So, I know folks yes. are going to be glad about that. So, uh, yeah, so enjoy all the sports and, uh, of course, stay safe and uh, be good to each other. And we'll see you Friday. Duh, Bears. Holla. <laughs>